0: Welcome to the Strong Towers podcast, a podcast with one simple vision: build up, and become strong.
1: Hey guys, and welcome back for another Strong Towers podcast. Uh, Tom Edwards here with John and Mike, and we're taking a break this week from conversations that we've been having around personal development and and kind of this arc that we've had going this last season, um, to just talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on in in the world and in our country right now. And we we don't want to just blow past the fact that there are some uh, pretty significant Events taking place um, in, uh, in current events right now. And, uh, you know, it, it's felt like we shouldn't immediately jump to some kind of response just because we have a platform and we should tell people what to think and, and necessarily even deliver our opinions. Um, you know, but, but that we needed to honestly all take some time to process. Um, where we're landing on, on uh, you know, the the video that came out on George Floyd's death and the protests that have been going on since then, uh, and uh, so really, that's that's kind of honestly what we want to do tonight is is just to kind of process some of our thoughts and emotions and uh, the things that we've been feeling and um, hopefully open up. Uh, that conversation for for you guys uh, to be had in in a way that is um, productive and can allow you to feel heard, uh, can allow you to feel like you don't need to have answers right away. um, But that can uh, at least get us engaged in all the things that are taking place um, around our nation.
0: And I think on the front end too, we're just going to preface it with a general request for kindness and understanding, um, because we're as we're all processing this. Uh, you know, we're all choosing to process in different ways. You know, some have taken immediately to social media, and that's not a bad thing. Um, and some have chosen to wait and and gather their thoughts, um, just because not even the the rush to judgment, but more just the taking time to to think and and craft a response that's accurate um, you know I, I know that it's my desire is always to have something to say you know as a teacher right when a kid asks a question you hate saying I don't know or I'm not sure uh, and yet so often in teacher school they tell you that should be your first response about half the time is I don't have an answer let me get back to you or I'm not entirely sure, let me go learn a little bit more myself. And yet at the same time, there's this, I think, deeply embedded desire to know and and to be able to respond um, with accuracy or with truth or w- whatever. And it, it worked out well that all three of us were sort of in the same place of, let's let's not jump right on this, not out of fear but just let's try to figure out what we want to say. And unfortunately, I mean, we're we're more than a week into this now, and I don't know that we're still all that sure. And I think that's part of what we're appreciating about the time that we're in. You know, we're three months into a global pandemic, and despite the innumerable Zoom calls and things like that that people have become accustomed to, it feels like there's still just a general sense of shoulder shrugging When it comes to, so what's happening? What's next? And it feels very much the same as we're having these conversations now. And again, like, thank God we're having these conversations, you know, especially as someone who teaches history. I love when I sit in a room full of teenagers and we get to things like the civil rights movement or the slave trade or... Anytime there is oppression of people because of the way they look, and I love it when teenagers look at me and go, why would people do that? I mean, that that alone makes all the other days where I want to pull my hair out in frustration worth it to know that there's hope. That there are people that just look at other human beings and just see another human being. And yet in the moments of trying to process this on a a national level or a community level or whatever and dealing with everybody's backgrounds and everybody's baggage and everybody's hurts and everybody's experiences, it just sometimes like it feels hard to take all of that and wrap it up into coherent statements other than the basic truths of this is wrong. It should not have happened. But then it feels like so very quickly you end up getting to things like, where do we go from here? And I think that's probably where we're finding ourselves now. And I think that's what we wanted to use this space for is, again, we're probably going to say some things that are stupid. We're probably going to say some things that are only half thought out. And so, again, we're just going to ask for kindness and compassion and understanding as all of us as human beings try to process where we are. Um, but just to give space to talk through where we are. So where are you guys?
2: You know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the history thing because um, I remember as I graduated high school and one of the tasks one of the history teachers gave us was to interview our grandparent. And I've mentioned it before. I've, I've been raised with my grandparents and uh, my grandparents. And during that time frame, you know, you hear about the different events that got, that went on during that, especially like the civil rights movement. Uh, you know, being being you know identified as Chicano, so I you know I listen to you know the stories of you know Cesar Chavez and all the things that were going on in California during the time. Um, you know, I, I even look back at history. You know, the, you know Zoot Suit Riots and all that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And I and I and I hear these things, and I'm like, man, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, where were you guys at during this time frame? And you hear these little like stories of of things that would never have been shared with me, right? These, these moments of, you know, just small stories that my grandfather, and my grandmother shared with me. And I think to myself, like in two or three generations from now, when my, or, you know, next generation when my kids have kids and I get interviewed about the same time, about 2020 and yeah. the global pandemic. And, um, you know, I've heard it, uh, the statistic that this is the largest civil rights movement, you know, in the past, what, six decades or something like that since, and so, yeah. you know it makes me wonder like even something as small as as what my actions are today makes me wonder well what am I doing to to either be impactful or just even to to understand the situation more um it's easily from it's easy for me to get lost in the news right like I can look at the things that are happening in our nation's capital and forget that that's less than driving distance, right? I mean I, I I think one of my plans for running was to run there. Right. So I think about that and I'm like, wow, that's practically our backyard, right? This is going on in our backyard. And I think I think to myself like I am this close to the actions and even some of the smaller protests that have happened within my neighborhood or the neighbor the neighboring neighborhood, if that's a word. But yeah. you know, I, I just think to myself like this is a a moment in time that should not be taken lightly and it's going to have to be remembered. Stories are going to be told from this time um, the whole year. Right. And so one of the things that I've, I've really tried to recognize during this time, especially with, as we come to understand um, you know, everybody has a different point of view on the situation, but one of the things that I, I can, I'm, cont- I'm continuing going down the path and I'm trying not to is that comparison narrative. And yeah. what I mean by that is, you know, I, I often hear people talk about privilege, um, more specifically, sometimes white privilege. And I tend to sit there and I listen to this and, and, I'm, and I know that, yes, I have I have had privilege in my life, but I've also had obstacles or, or, or disadvantages in my life. And, and I think it's important for us to also recognize that somebody's path to where they got is not as easy or not as hard as or I guess you shouldn't compare it to to yourself. Right, it's really yeah. easy to say, "Wow, you had it this easy." Wow, you you were able to do this because you had these advantages in life. And it's it, it, it's it's for me, it's it's taking time to recognize that we've all had our hardships in life, right? And not to take anything away with the situation, but to recognize that hey, we we should look at the similarities in in our in our struggles and applaud our successes. And I guess that's the thing that gets me is like as and I, and I've had this conversation with with both of you. As a Hispanic male, I have had situations where I've had you know pulled over by a, a cop in Louisiana, and, and the first question was, "Do you speak English, boy?" And it, it had never I had never experienced anything like that before, and to 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 actually like have it firsthand as as maybe I grew up in in Oz and Southern California where so many cultures were <laughs> mixed. I mean, you have you know a, a black kid skateboarding ordering Korean tacos in Spanish. That's the way Southern <laughs> California is, right? And so. That was, I think, one of my first, I guess, c- scenarios or, op- like, times that I actually recognized that, wow, there are people out there that are immediately going to see the color of my skin and assume certain things about me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard, right? And it's, it's one of those situations where I think it's important for, uh, for, for all of us to really learn and understand everybody's um, struggles, Right. It's It, 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 I think it's very important for us to understand that. And then something that I'm, I have been trying to do is not so much compare my struggles with other people and try to say, Hey, you know, I've had success with this, but to also understand that some people have had it worse and better than me and that. And, and it's important for me to, to understand that everybody has their situation. And it, it, it's just so important to understand those.
1: And I think the, the thing about coming at it from a perspective of trying to understand, um, all of the different perspectives, uh, you know, certainly the the collective perspective of of people of color at, at this current moment is super important and and is something that I think has been passed over much too lightly, you know. But but trying to understand all of the voices, all of the perspectives um, in this situation, and not make those comparisons, mm-hmm. uh, like you were saying, like because the comparison doesn't move the conversation forward at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if I try and understand, even if we're coming from two different places, if we're trying to understand each other, then at least we have ground to, to move forward on. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that that I've been trying to camp out on too over the last week or so, um, is just to try and understand everything that's going on. Um, you know, my, my background is very different than yours. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm a, total white suburbs kid um there were there were a couple of black families in my high school and and i didn't even go to that big of a high school um you know but but there were a few few black families i think i i remember one hispanic kid um you know and and then the rest of the the hispanic people around were you know were the migrant day laborer kind of guys um you know so so very different experience um and so I don't have that, that firsthand knowledge of what that looks like. And, and I'll never have that firsthand knowledge of what that looks like. Um, but the other piece that, that I really had to step back and try and understand um, where people were coming from, because I do think this is, is a, a momentous time in history. And, and I do think that uh, there is the potential for real change to happen um but I, I felt rising up in me something that the the last time i felt it was after 911 um and it was just an anger my, like my initial reaction was an anger and not necessarily over what happened although in both of those cases it was a, a horrible thing that took place my anger was actually at all of the people that were coming out now in support of or, or you know uh, uh, you know, voicing their opinion of of after 9 eleven it was patriotism and American flags and all this kinds of of stuff. and um, you know, it, don't need to go deep into my story, but you know my story is very much wrapped around patriotism and the military, even though I, I didn't uh, end up serving. Um, and we always flew a flag outside of my house um, growing up. And so, you know, when people started doing that after 9 11, I was like, well, where were you guys? Like, why is it okay now? Um, and that was kind of the same feeling of like, where, where were you all before this happened? Um, you know, that, that now, why is now the moment that everybody is, is coming out? Um, and really seeking change because it does feel different this time, and, and I, I think part of that is just the extreme nature uh, of of uh, George Floyd's death. But um, but that like that was my initial feeling. I was like, that's that's not going to help. You know, that's not going to help the conversation move forward um, because it's not coming from a good place for me either. You know, that's kind of a cynical way of of approaching it instead of trying to hear the stories and understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, and two of the things that you that you touched on Tom were things that I think have definitely been affecting me in the midst of all this. And one is just trying to stay present to I mean the the reality that I I don't know what I don't know. Right? Like there are perspectives that it is impossible for me to have. There are life experiences that it is impossible for me to have. I will never get to be a black man or a Hispanic man in America. I will never get to be a white woman in America, right? There there are just perspectives that I will never be able to have. And to think that I understand them is a bad place to start. To think that because I can cognitively wrap my head around a couple of concepts or hear a few anecdotes and begin to apply, you know, a broader understanding to that, create a framework around it, to begin to think that because I've heard something or have read something, that I now understand something. Uh, Again, that seems to be a fundamental desire in us. People hate not knowing stuff. People hate looking stupid. People hate looking unaware. People hate looking ignorant. And yet at the same time, that's kind of our lot in life, that we really only get a narrow sliver of the entire human experience to call our own. And I think we so easily lose track of the fact that there are so many other equally valid experiences that we'll never get to have. And if you're lucky, you maybe get tastes of it, but they're not going to be the same. So like I can tell, you know, the story of the time that, uh, so I shared way back at the beginning of season one, when I first moved out to Virginia, I got married and then very quickly and very painfully got divorced And my buddy that I played volleyball with saved me. He's like, "You're going to come live with me and my wife, and we're basically going to take care of you uh, until you're back on your feet." And so one of the things that he did to take care of me um, was he took me back to East LA where he grew up, Um, because he was Hispanic and he grew up in the Barrio in East LA. And he's like, "You're going to come back and hang out with my mom, with my mom and my dad. We're going to go to Disney because you've never been to Disney, but I'm going to show you." I'm I'm gonna show you my home because we've been friends for a while and we just need to get you out of town for one, and we need to get you to California because you've never been, and and I just want to share this with you. And so we stayed in his mom's house, and you know, the the cart came by with the corn on the cob, done in a way that I had never seen at any fair in Wisconsin or Illinois or any place else in the Midwest. And, you know, we went to the we went to the markets, and I was the only white person for miles. And Again, that that's a sliver of a sliver of an experience, but it gave me thirty seconds of awareness of what it's like to be the person that doesn't fit, and to see the looks directed at me that are based entirely on how I look. And again, this is not a an apples to apples comparison, right? And but it, it was a moment of understanding beyond my normal experience. And, you know, the times that I've gotten to travel with students and take them overseas and take them to places where English is not the normal language or where white is not the normal color of skin and having a shared experience with people who now suddenly go from being the majority to the minority and, you know, embracing that tension of it feels like we don't fit. And yet we're still trying to interact with people and engage with people and go about our daily life. But suddenly it feels weird. I mean, it's a sliver of an experience but it it helped to broaden the usual sliver of experience that we have, and you know, like Tom, you were saying with with nine eleven, it feels like people have moments like that where they suddenly realize something more broadly about the world around them. And everybody has their moment when they realize that something is not as it was before. Uh, and it's kind of like the new car phenomenon, right you get a you get a new car or a new used car, or what you know it's new to you. And you drive around and all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, all these other people have my car because you never knew to look for it. Or you try out a new recipe and it requires you to go to the produce section, you know, on one of the racks that you've never been to before. And you pull out this thing that you probably couldn't name if you walked by it at any point prior to this. You're like, huh, this is actually pretty good. And next thing you know, you're back there every couple of weeks to get it again. And you see other people buying it. You're like, wait a minute, other people knew about this? Like, when did they find out? And and so, you know, I've had conversations in the last couple of weeks with people that were saying things like, you know, this was different. And the implied extension of that statement is, this was different for me. I wasn't seeing it this way before. Because you have to know that other people were. You have to know that if it wasn't George Floyd for them, then just a little bit earlier, it was Breonna Taylor. Or Trayvon Martin or like or the sixties or the fifties or the forties or the thirties or the twenties or anything in the last four hundred years was their moment of this is not this is different. This is not what it's supposed to be. And and so I love I love seeing the growing, you know, getting to critical mass to where there's enough people that have had their experience that informs their opinion in a new way that says, this is new and this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And Mike, like you said, that false comparison though can jump right in. And Tom, like you said, of where were you before? And suddenly all these things that could be potentially unifying and creating more and more movement and more and more momentum and more and more unity actually become divisive. And that's been the thing that I've been wrestling with so much these last couple of weeks as someone that only has a sliver of an experience and can't have the perspective that other people have, but I'm watching things that feel like they should be unifying actually become divisive.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I really appreciate as I've been trying to understand and move past my initial uh, perception of events is one of the things that feels different for me. And, and again, maybe this is just, you know, my recognition in this moment. Um, but one of the things that feels different for me is uh, there seems to be more of an awakening to the idea that we don't know. Yep. And, and teach me. And I'm not going to uh, just stand beside you and be angry over this outrageous thing that has happened Um, and, and not really, and just do it because it feels like that's the right thing to do, but teach me what I don't know so that I can come alongside you better and that we can move forward together to a better place. Um, and that just seems like particularly from the, the white side of the conversation to me, that feels like a different response this time around.
2: Yeah, I totally agree, and, you know, I, I love the fact that you bring that up, right? I think, you know, the kids are calling it woke. Is that what they're calling it nowadays?
0: The cool ones, the yeah. The cool ones, yeah.
2: But I, I think about that, and I think about the conversations that, we, that we've that we had in, in the past week, and I, I, I think to myself it is important to understand, like we said, and it it's important to recognize, and I love your story, John, about, like, just going out and, and pursuing those, you know, that opportunity and, and, and embracing a different culture. You know, one of the things that um, Janelle and I, being, you know, Latino, We've we have various, a lot of similarities and there are some differences. But one of the things that we continue to try to remind ourselves is that how important it is for us to share our culture not only with our children but with our friends. Yeah. Um, every year we do a tamale party at the at Christmas, and it was initially the way that started out was I was missing home. I missed my grandmother's tamales, and so I called grandma up. I said, "Hey, walk me through it," and I literally. On the phone because there was no Facetime at that time, and we were going, you know, mm-hmm. step by step on how to make these, and it was definitely harder on the East Coast getting the same ingredients <laughs> on from the West Coast. But I, I, <laughs> I did it. I made my first like, you know, two dozen tamales, and Janelle and I, you know, we 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 ate them and we enjoyed them, and 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 the first reaction was, I need to share this with my friends. Yeah, I need to, I need them to know where I came from because maybe I'm speaking from the fat kid, but by by sharing food with my friend was a way to not only show that I love you guys, but to also show you, Hey, this is, this is where I I come from. And so that, that little weekend of making tamales with, with my wife, you know, blossomed into, into our yearly tamale party. And I think of how important that is not only for my children to see that, like one, taking care of your community, taking care of your friends, um, you know, sharing and embracing your, your culture and your differences. Um, but also like accepting other people, right? That tamale party last year turned into—it's not just tamales, it's not just empanadas. But we also said, hey, you know what? What are some of your family favorites from the? Bring those, you know. Yep. Let's bring those those plates, those 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 meals, those those entrees to the table. Let's all share our culture with each other during you know Christmas. Let's let's let's, let's take that time and yep. and I, I was I was having this conversation with Janelle, and I was just telling her like. Wow, that that to me is what I love about I guess being different. You know, being able to share a part of me with people that probably, like you said, Tom, have never experienced what a tamale was until probably, you know, maybe you had it once before on a menu or something like that at Plaza Azteca. But <laughs> now I get to be able to share that with you, right? Now I'm able to share what what you know what to me is my way of, of how my grandmother showed love to me was was with through food. Yeah. And so um you know, I, I love that time and being able to share that. One of the things that I am having a hard time with, though, is, you know, being prior military and having so many um, family members in the police force. It is hard for me. It's not as simple as it's either this or that. I I 100% believe the police were wrong in in, in their actions, but I don't want any harm to my brother-in-law. I don't want any harm to my family members that are in the police force but it is hard and that's a scenario and I'm not sure how you guys feel about this but do you guys find yourself like and it's hard to say middle ground because and I I find myself in a in a lot of conversations being middle ground and I know that's a terrible place to be but it's I feel like my whole life I have been in a scenario where I am and I and I and I'll say it bluntly I'm not white enough to be white and I'm not spanish enough to be mexican and that is a hard place for me to be in but I know there's other people out there and I know there's scenarios where where we're all different. And I and I guess like that, that the question I have for you guys is, you know, it's not as simple as A and B, you know, left and right. There is more to understand about the scenario. And I I guess those are the questions. And John, I'm so thankful that you've, you know, have really taught me that to ask those second questions because it's important, especially now, to to have a better understanding and, and ask those follow up questions.
0: Well, like we've talked before, I mean Again, it just seems like another default human characteristic. We're so much more comfortable with the binary option, right. Yeah. right? The you know, I can't drive 55, but I can either have my foot completely off the gas or I can floor it, mm-hmm. and especially in moments of trauma like this, you know, in, in moments of outrage, yeah. in moments where a wrong has taken place it is exponentially more difficult to try to have any sort of measured response that takes in all the different characteristics of a multiplicity of situations. And instead just be like, you know what? I'm going to burn everything because that's just so much easier. Or I'm going to do nothing because what could I do? You know, nothing's going to change. Or the default of You know, always defend a particular side, a particular group, a particular perspective, because that's that's easier. And and I appreciate you know where you were going with with what you were saying about family, because things really start to change when they become personal, Mm -hmm. and especially when things become personal on both sides of any issue. Right, when you have loved ones and family that are on both sides of the political spectrum when you have loved ones and family that are on both sides of a racial divide or a socioeconomic divide or a, you know, whatever that suddenly starts to force you sometimes to see both sides or at least to see that there are people that you can love on both sides even as you vehemently disagree with what they believe right and and we have friends and loved ones in you know, in our lives that there are days I want to smack them because I don't understand how they can believe a certain thing or take a certain stance. And yet, 24 hours later, when they call me or I call them about something totally unrelated, and I'm reminded yet again of how they're really the most wonderful person on the planet. Like, it's just, it's, I I almost hate the fact that this human experience is this complex that you can't just write people off or people groups or topics or whatever you know most of the time you can't write them off as they're all bad or they're all good or they're all right and they're all wrong again we i feel like it's pretty easy to identify moments right you should not kill someone And then after that, it's you, know, you, you can't make blanket statements about people of all one race. And you can't make blanket statements about people of all one occupation. Every occupation has people that suck at their job. Every occupation has people that should not be in that profession, period, the end. And every occupation has people that are phenomenal at that work and do it self-sacrificially. And every every people group and every you were talking about privilege and it was reminding me at the the school that I teach at, we used to do this thing called challenge day and it's similar to the the privilege video that you may have seen rolling around social media, but you line up a group of kids and you start asking them questions about their backgrounds, you know, things that have nothing to do with their performance and everything to do with where they've come from or what they've had access to. And it starts to create this very imbalanced line of people that are further ahead than others um, simply because of what they were born into. And we used to do that, that experience. We call it challenge day at my school. We did it for a few years. We take a couple hundred kids out of the classroom for a day, take a dozen or two teachers out of the classroom for a day. And you experience it together as people, not teachers and students. I mean, you can't get away from the older people and younger people, but you know, you do it together and you all start on the baseline on the basketball court in the gym. And they start asking questions and you start taking steps and, it, it, I don't want to use the word lightly, but I mean it sincerely. It, it's a life-changing moment to start to see the stories of the people around you unfold simply spatially and to see what people have overcome to get to where they are and to see what people are still having to overcome to continue to move forward in their life. And it's just, it's not simple. It stops being simple at that point to define people based on one characteristic or one opportunity or one challenge and they're they're beautiful moments to have, and they personalize people for you and like you were saying before it, you know it's not about comparison and it's certainly not about false comparison. you know there are challenges that I will never have to overcome in my life. I will never have to be an ethnic minority in America. I will never have to be a female in America. I did have to be poor in America. I did have to live in a trailer park in America and not by choice. I did have to live through divorce and not by choice. And so it feels like as soon as we start to feel threatened by somebody else's challenges, as if they're taking away from our own accomplishments, we start to lose the narrative. We start to lose the reality of their story because we're becoming so focused on our own. And again, something that should create unity of, God, you've overcome a lot. You've, you're have you having to overcome a lot. You are still being affected by a lot. Oh yeah, man, you too. That should be such a unifying thing instead of something that that's threatening. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just, that's one of those things that I'm wrestling with right now is why do these things have to be divisive? Yeah.
1: Back to your question, Mike, about the, like, what do we do with good police officers? That's one of those things that that my eyes are slowly being opened to. Because I, I remember even a couple of years ago, the, the you know, defund the police, um, thing kind of started and I was like, Oh, that's ridiculous. It that doesn't make any sense. Why would we get rid of police? Because my experience is that police officers in your neighborhood are there to be helpful. Um, you know, and that's not everybody's experience. And, and I get that, you know, that, that, uh, that there are large chunks of American society that, that don't view police officers as helpful, um, and then, you know, you start to look at some of the, the evidence that's out there that actually taking money from police forces and, and putting it toward uh, social services programs actually has a better impact than what those uh, additional officers were having, you know. And, and uh, so I'm starting to think through some of the implications of that, um, but also, It's such a big question, you know, I I think we've seen in the news over the last couple of days, uh, you know, for every picture of of, a police officer uh, that is black diffusing a situation at a protest because he can, uh, you know, commiserate with with the, the emotions that the people are feeling in that protest. Uh, You know, for every one of those pictures, there's a picture of a black man in uniform being spit on because how dare you be standing in that line over there and not standing over here with us. Um, You know, there's there's not a simple, uh, you know, we need more black police officers or we need less police officers or we like they're just big, big, big questions. And I think, John, what you were saying about needing it to be made personal and real uh, is, is just where we have to land. Um, you know, we, we can't. The question is too big for anyone to say they have the answer. And the only way that we're going to be able to, to move in the direction of some solution is if we all have some skin in the game.
0: Yeah. And and again, you know, the, the more personal things get, I think the more we're able to begin to broaden our perspective. Um, you know, also mentioned back at the beginning of season one that Brooke and I were on this journey of adoption and, um, you know, trying to get our house renovated has stalled that, not to mention COVID. Um, but, you know, we're planning to adopt from a place where the kids that we adopt don't look like us and as part of the process of adoption that that we've undertaken i mean there's had we've had to spend time with people that understand what what that looks like that have conversations with us of you know here are things that you've never had to experience before but you need to start getting ready for it you need to start getting ready for when people walk up to you and ask you awkward or just outright blatantly offensive questions about these kids that are yours and why they look the way they do versus the way that you look. And, you know, why would you choose, you know, just all of these things that as we're sitting in these meetings and in these training sessions and having conversations with those that have gone before us, you know, again, talk about mentorship, we're just having these moments of, there are so many things that we haven't experienced yet and there are experiences coming that will continue to radically shift the way that we see people and the way that we see the world around us and the way that people see us, frankly. And again, it just, it feels like the more personal things get the more that you can start to draw closer to other people that might initially seem different from you in whatever way, shape or form. But the more that that drawing closer, the more that that unity will continue to be opposed by people that either don't have that perspective or can't have that perspective or frankly don't want to have that perspective. And that just, again, things like that just, they frustrate the crap out of me. And the fact that I'm able to say that effectively as lightly as I just did that as a white man in America I can complain about being frustrated by that again like that (laughs) I'm painfully aware of how that could sound and yet it's it's the only perspective that I can have but as I have these new experiences that continue to broaden my perspective my understanding of what I have and what's real in the world around me continues to expand as well.
1: So I think, um, I think we'll just kind of park out there for a little bit, you know, like we started this, we definitely have felt the need to to take time to process. I think all three of us still very much feel that need. Things are are still changing uh, on a day-to-day basis this movement kind of picks up steam. And, and uh, John, I think you, you used that phrase critical mass that it seems like the call for change is just, it's becoming inescapable. And so, you know, even if it's just time to process, how do I get involved? How do I educate myself? How do I change? Uh, I think we all just, we need to take that time. It, it's not a moment in history that, that you want to just let pass you by so we would encourage you all to to have conversations sometimes hard conversations with the people around you just to understand to come at it from uh from a perspective of uh, seeking to love people and understand people be right or be wrong um, but to to try to move that conversation forward we love you guys we appreciate you and we'll see you back here next time Hey guys, Tom here. If you like the conversation that we were having uh, this week on the podcast, make sure to give us a, a like or a review in your podcasting app. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation uh, beyond just uh, just what we got to talk through this week. So uh, find us on Facebook. We have a private group on Facebook now. You can uh, get to that through our website, strong-towers.com. Or on Facebook, you can search for We Are Strong Towers uh, like I said, it is a private group, so you'll need to ask uh, for us to, to let you in there just to keep it a safe space for guys to engage in, in deep conversation as we look at these topics that are uh, so important to who we are and, and uh, how we approach life. And follow us on social media also at strong underscore towers on Instagram and Twitter.